We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com live post-game show slash podcast. The Lakers, well, their win streak is snapped. They fall to the Denver Nuggets 122-109. to 109. Uh, Not the outcome Lakers fans were hoping for, but there's a little bit of context here. The Lakers barely had any of their rotation players to play in this one. The injury bug continuing to torment the Lakers. I guess we just start there. No LeBron James, no Anthony Davis, no Austin Reeves, no Lonnie Walker, no Troy Brown Jr. Heck, Patrick Beverly only played in 12 minutes in this game before he got hurt. Um, You were missing six rotation players, including your two demigod-level stars that you have to get playing MVP-caliber basketball to really be a a threat. And you're not going to have a good night when you're missing that many players. So we knew going in that this was going to be a difficult one when it was announced that LeBron James was going to be out when uh, Patrick Beverly had his injury. It was, and you know, of course, no Troy Brown Jr. as well. Just the depth was not there for the Lakers. So we knew going in, this was going to be a difficult game for LA. Uh, The five game win streak is indeed snapped. Thomas Bryant still managed to score the ball 17 points, 10 boards, Not nearly as efficient, though, without LeBron out there on the floor. Six of 14 shooting. Dennis Schroeder's shooting plummeted back to earth. Three for 13, 0 of 5 from three. He couldn't miss last couple of games. Major regression there. 14 points, four assists for him. Max Christie, the 19-year-old rookie that the Lakers drafted in the second round, got the start, scored 14 points, and he he was just fine. Six for eight shooting, two of three from three. The Lakers may have something there with, uh, with him. Again, not to say he's a rotation player on a championship quality team right now he's not but i think there's something there and we've seen flashes from him winning gabriel brought some energy five boards two blocks nine points you got six out of cole swider here's how thin the lakers were tonight cole swider who's on a two-way contract had to play 25 minutes for the lakers tonight that's how limited their rotation was and cole did just fine two of five from deep that's 40 percent. you'll take that Five boards, three assists, six points. And again, he's a guy who's, this is his third NBA game ever. 
and you had to play him 25 minutes because the Lakers uh, rotation was so thin. Russell Westbrook, 25 points, seven boards, seven assists, seven turnovers. You know, looking at the stat sheet, you go, hey, 25, seven and seven. That's not that's not bad. This was not a good Russ game. This was not a good. Now, there were some plays towards the end when it felt like he kind of got going. But most of the game, it felt like Russ was very out of sync. Um, the turnovers were pretty bad in this one. It just He didn't look like himself in this game. And that's frustrating for one specific reason that we'll get into in just a bit. Kendrick Nunn played 24 minutes, 6 for 15. The Lakers didn't shoot well as a team. 44% from the field, 29% from three in this game, but 15 points. Three steals for Kendrick, so there's something there. But again, rough game for the Lakers. Essentially, in order to mitigate all the losses, losing LeBron and AD and all the other players that I named, what you needed to have happen for the Lakers to be able to keep this close was you needed outlier shooting performances. You needed Schroeder to continue shooting the ball extremely well, Thomas Bryant to continue shooting extremely well. You needed guys who aren't normally hyper-efficient to be hyper-efficient. And, and Thomas Bryant maybe shouldn't be in that list because he has been hyper-efficient lately. But you needed guys to have blow-up games. That's what you needed. Instead, it went the other way. I thought Russ didn't have a great game. Again, shooting the ball, he was okay by the end of the game. Some buckets at the end, but 10 for 21, 1 for 4 from 3, 4 for 7 from the field. Schroeder, 3 for 13 shooting. Bryant, 6 for 14. Those were the guys you needed. Kendrick Nunn, 6 for 15. Essentially, you need those four guys without LeBron, without AD, without Austin to be able to score the basketball for you and do it very efficiently, and none of them really did. Um, it wasn't like one did, like none of them did. And so that's kind of all she wrote, right? That's what you needed. You needed an outlier shooting game from multiple players in order to keep this thing close against a almost entirely healthy Nuggets team, missing Jeff Green. That's their only other key rotation player that was that was out. And it didn't happen. And so obviously this wasn't going to go the Lakers' way without getting that. But nonetheless, Lakers still very much in the mix in the Western Conference. Things are very compact in the West. Now they get two days off. Maybe that was a factor in the decision to sit LeBron James. This is anecdotal, but um, somebody in our playback stream was saying that they heard that the Lakers plane got in super early, like 7.30 in the morning, and none of the players really got to sleep. I don't know how accurate. They, again, anecdotal. I can't confirm that, but if that's the case, that would explain some of the lethargic performances that we saw. Well, I shouldn't say lethargic. I thought the Lakers competed, but just the sloppiness – Guys not really looking like themselves. Part of that could be LeBron being out. Part of that is if they're really working off of very little to no sleep, that would be why. That would be why. That would uh, be an explanation for what happened there. Now, let me get into some of your questions and comments. I know we're going to have a lot more to talk about than just this game, but Peanut Butter Badger said, we gave away three assets for a guard who can't shoot. So you're talking about KCP, Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, turns the ball over and it's out of his prime. Let's do it again for Kuz. <laughs> F it, none, Bev, DJ. Um, I mean, Kuzma can shoot based on the, the stats that we've seen this year. He can shoot. The, he's not a sniper, but he can shoot the ball. Uh, but as far as, and he's certainly not out of his prime, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the Russell Westbrook trade, there's no question is, I, I won't say it's the worst, but it's one of, the bet the all-time bad trades in nba history and again that's not to say russ has been terrible this year he's done some things that have helped you but he's come nowhere close to giving you 47 million dollars worth of value certainly didn't last season 
Last season was definitely a disaster. This season, he's been a bit better, and credit to Russell Westbrook. Um, I know there's a lot of anti-Russ takes in the chat right now. And again, he this was not a good Russ game. And I think the extra frustrating part about that is this is what you got Russ for, right? Like specifically, one of the Lakers' concerns have been, oh my gosh, every time LeBron goes out, everything falls apart. How do we fix that? Well, you get another star who can handle the load whenever LeBron is out. Who, when LeBron's out, you can hand this person the ball and say, here you go, and that person can keep you afloat. That's what Russ was supposed to do. So in a game like this, the thought process should be, okay, well, Russ, this is what you're here for. So we need a, a throwback performance from you tonight. We need a, you know, a 30, 15, and 10 performance or something crazy out of Russ. Um, and they didn't get, they didn't get that. Instead, I thought you got one of the worst Russ performances that we've seen in like the last month or so. Um, so the timing is is unfortunate in that regard, right? Because that was part of the reason to bring in Russ was, hey, if LeBron has to sit a game here or there, all right, here you go. Now again, maybe even even Russ MVP version of him might not win this game. Might not win this game. That's reality, right? When you're missing LeBron, you're missing AD, you're missing all those guys even the best version of Russ, you, you're probably not winning this game. But nonetheless, you're at least you're in it. Instead, it went the other way. And in the this is the time to step up. And you got one of his worst performances. Again, maybe he was going off of no sleep. Maybe that's accurate. I don't know. But the timing was, was frustrating. Now, I know that Russ, when he steps on the floor, he doesn't decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a terrible game today. No, he doesn't do that. Of course not. Um, that's not the way athletes work. So I'm not trying to just put a bunch of blame on Russell Westbrook. I'm saying I can understand why fans would be frustrated, but overall, yeah, look, the, the trade was not good. The trade wasn't good. Russ has been better this season. He's been more playable. I don't think the Lakers should be desperate to get rid of him, but tonight was not a good night for him. Tonight wasn't a good night and, uh, he's been better for most of the season. So I'll give him that. Jillian said Nuggets won't beat a healthy LeBron and AD in a best of seven. Yeah, I mean, look, there's it's not like you can take anything away from this game and say, oh, clearly the Lakers, the Nuggets are better than the Lakers or the Nuggets are going to just torch the Lakers if they play them in the playoffs or anything because uh, you didn't see most of the Lakers roster in this game. Basically, basically, it came down to, are you a Lakers wing? Okay, then you're out, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much what we saw. Juan Toscano Anderson was on the floor. That was it. Um yeah, there, there's no takeaways from this in terms of this team's going to beat the other one come playoff. Obviously, the Nuggets have had a better record, much better record than the Lakers on the season. But the Lakers have also played overall pretty well against the Nuggets when they've had all their players. I don't think it's a matchup that the Lakers are scared of. I don't think it's a matchup they should be overconfident in either. I think the Nuggets are a very good team. I think there's a reason why they're the one seed right now in the Western Conference. I think they're talented. I think they absolutely could beat the Lakers. But I also think the Lakers definitely could beat the Denver Nuggets as well and tend to play well against them, um, tonight being the exception. Mamba Mentality said, I like how the team had fight all the way till the end. Schroeder started slow, then picked it up. Russ as well, very sloppy in the first half. He was indeed. Uh, they had all their starters. We didn't. That's what it came down to. Yeah, again, this was a game going in. When you saw the lineups, you knew very little chance the Lakers were going to win the game. So what you're looking for instead is, or do they compete? I thought they did. I thought they played hard. I thought there were moments where they looked 
a bit off. And again, I, I question whether or not that's a sleep thing or whatever was going on. Um, but I thought they competed. I don't think that they went out there and just threw their hands up and said, oh, well, we don't have a shot tonight. No, I think they went out there thinking, hey, we're going to surprise them and we can steal this game. And they played like it. They went out there and went after it. Now, the shots didn't fall. The shots didn't fall. The efficiency wasn't there. They needed the efficiency to be above average in order to make up for losing those guys. And it didn't happen. But I don't think it was because of a lack of effort. I don't think that was the case. I don't think it was a lack of effort there from the Lakers. Mom mentality said, I don't know why we're looking for a big like Boogie. Good offensively, but obviously we need another big that can rebound or protect the rim like a Dwight or Hassan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that they would be better suited if they're going to target a big to go find a rim protector. I understand, though, Boogie, at least he can step out and shoot the three. He was serviceable last year for Denver. And so, you know, the, the first box you have to check is, can he play at an NBA level? I don't know if Dwight can still. I don't know if Hassan Whiteside can still. We haven't seen much of them aside from Dwight playing in Taiwan. So in terms of checking that box, we can say, well, you know, we just saw Boogie Cousins last year playing pretty well, probably playing the best out of those three. Maybe you could argue Whiteside. Uh, Dwight, I didn't think was great last year. I think it thought it was pretty clear he was limited last year. Uh, but in, if you had to pick of what skill set you want, yeah, I'd probably rather go get a rim protector. That would be my ideal thing to go get if I was the Lakers and I'm targeting a big. And you may not even have to be a big. Look, LeBron had some comments after the win against the Kings about Thomas Bryant, AD, and LeBron being on the floor at the same time, about what that could look like. And he's already kind of, you know, the gears are turning about the things they can pull off like that. I'm interested in that. I think that might require another big to be brought in. But Wynion's also done some really good things for them, even though he's undersized. So... I think the the greater need is on the wing if you can find that. Um, if you can find that. But not easy. Not easy. Let's see what else we've got coming in here. Reeb said, this game showed we can play TB and AD together when AD gets back because TB did pretty good against Jokic. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine against, against Jokic. And I was... Thomas Bryant stayed out of foul trouble. I was worried about that going in. That Thomas Bryant trying to defend Jokic was going to get into foul trouble. Only had one foul on the night. Jokic... Five for five, 14 points, 11 boards, 16 assists. Now you can say, well, the Lakers were so thin. Jokic just kind of got to play passer mode, didn't have to score much. Uh, and part of that's true. Uh, 14 points on five shots. Jokic didn't miss on the night. Didn't miss. Five for five from the field, one for one from three, three of three from the free throw line. Didn't miss a shot that he took. 14, that's insane efficiency. Uh, but nonetheless, I thought Thomas Bryant did okay. Did just fine. Uh, on Jokic and uh, and he stayed on the floor offensively for the Lakers he was running out of gas and the Lakers needed his offensive production he was so exhausted and he just kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting um, and credit to him I, I think that Thomas Bryant can indeed play with AD and I think it's something that the Lakers really need to give some thought to and really give some minutes to when AD gets back which by the way we should mention that got some news today on Anthony Davis News was from Dave McMenamin of ESPN that Anthony Davis, as soon as the Lakers get back from Denver, which should be tomorrow, maybe waits a day, maybe waits till Wednesday or something. But this week, Anthony Davis is going to ramp up, ramp up his work. Uh, he's going to start doing stuff uh, in the pool. He's going to start doing stuff on uh, the, what is it? The anti-gravity, it's not anti-gravity, but uh, 
I can't remember the name for it, but it's the machine that takes the weight off of you, right? When you're running so that you're not putting all the weight on your, on your legs. Um, so that's what he's going to be doing. And the Lakers, according to McMenamin, are optimistic that once he starts ramping up, it'll be about two weeks before AD can step back on the floor. So we're talking like January 24th, 25th, 26th, somewhere in that range, maybe AD could come back, would be within the realm of possibility. So that's great news. That's great news for the Lakers that we're probably a couple of weeks away from Anthony Davis getting back out on the floor. If they can just play some play 500 basketball, it's not an easy schedule. You've got the Mavs coming up next, then the 76ers, the Rockets, got to win that one for that second night of a back-to-back. So if you can just find a way to play 500 basketball, at least until AD comes back, you can put yourself in a really in- interesting position, particularly if AD's coming back right around when all the trade talks are really going to start heating up around the NBA. And of course, you guys know we're going to keep you up to date on everything. So make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on notifications as well. Um, we're going to provide our analysis for everything that's coming out. Question says, if Russ can't leave the team when Braun and AD are out, trade him. That's literally the reason he was brought to LA. That's uh, just a side. Yeah, that's making the point that I was making. Um, same idea, right? That's why you brought Russ to LA. And again, I thought, I think Russ... His passing has been good. Like if, if you trade Russell Westbrook, you have something real that you have to replace. You're losing the passing that Russ brings, the interior passing that he has when he gets into the paint. That is going to be something that you will actually, you're going to miss that if you trade Russell Westbrook. But I think the bigger problem with trading Russ beyond just, okay, now you need to replace the playmaking that he brings is teams around the NBA are trying to fleece the Lakers still when they're trying to trade Russell Westbrook, still demanding that the Lakers have to throw in an unprotected first if they want to trade Russ. And then if they want anything back, it's going to cost more than that. They have to add draft picks on top of that. They want anything back, giving the Lakers zero credit for essentially rehabbing some of Russ's value by having him come off the bench and proving that he can have success in that role. Now, obviously today doesn't help with that, but if teams are going to tell you, no, 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 no. If you want to trade Russ, you got to give us a bunch of stuff. Well, where's your incentive to trade him then? He hasn't been, again, tonight was not a good night, but he hasn't been a negative for the team. It's been just fine. Again, there's been positives that he's brought to this team for sure. So the Lakers shouldn't have a lot of incentive to run out there and pay a crazy price just because Russell Westbrook is in the trade just because that $47 million expiring salary is in the trade. Now that may change too. Closer to the trade deadline, teams may come off of that. But right now, the sense is the only deals that are out there for the Lakers are deals where if the Lakers did them, fans would be furious. You know, I put the poll out there on, on Twitter though. And I said earlier, earlier this evening, I said, what would you rather do? If the Lakers trade options are number one, take a deal. The, where you add a piece, but that trade will widely be considered to be an overpay on the Lakers part. You're going to get fleeced. Or would you rather do nothing? Those that That's right now the options. Most likely those are the options for the Lakers right now. Do something where if you pull the trigger on the trade, everybody would say, whoa, the Lakers got fleeced. Or, but maybe you add something that could help your team, but you overpay to get it. Or would you rather do nothing? Overpay is winning. It's almost 4,000 votes on this poll, and overpay is winning with 58% of the vote. It's interesting. 
because that may really be the position that the Lakers are in. Maybe that changes as we get closer to the trade deadline. But right now, sellers are asking for a ton because there's not very many sellers on the market. And that's a, a very key dynamic. When we're looking at the trade market and what the Lakers can and can't get done. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's see what else we've we've got here. I'm seeing a lot of people that are that are really mad, that are really upset in the chat. And I'll be honest, I I, I don't come out of this game feeling that. But maybe it's because I went into the game thinking, okay, this is you know Denver should win this game pretty easily, and let's just see what Max Christie can do. Let's see what some of the other players can do. See if they can show fight and all that. I wasn't expecting the result of a win. If you were, then I guess I understand the frustration. By no means is this like a moral victory or anything like that, but I also don't feel like this is some crushing defeat. Like when you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against the Pacers or something like that, like that. Uh, yeah. Be angry in that moment, but this, yeah, this is, this is not, I don't know, not one to be upset about in my mind. Q Spades, there's never been a championship team whose most expensive player came off the bench. Use Westbrook and two firsts for two quality wings and go win it all. Yeah. Problem is you're not getting that. That's the problem. The problem is the two quality wings, well, and one of them at least is costing you a first round pick by themselves. The fact that Russ is in the deal costs you another first right now. So you're not getting two quality wings. Maybe you're getting one, maybe not even. That's the problem. If that was on the tip, yes, go get two. If you can get two quality, you can tell me, hey, you can get Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi for Russell Westbrook and two first round picks, done. Do it immediately. Absolutely. But that deal's not on the table. That's the problem. If you want to, if you want to give up an unprotected first for and a young player, you want to give up an unprotected first and Max Christie for Boyan? Unprotected first and Austin Reeves for Boyan Bogdanovich at 33 years old? He'd be a great fit, but the price is just super high. That's the challenge right now for the Lakers on the trade front. And again, I'm not saying that means you can just throw your hands up if you're the Lakers front office and say, oh, well, prices are too high. No, you have to find a way to, to figure something out. You still have to look. LeBron is having a great season. AD is having a great season. Even, even Russ, again, I think he's played well 
over the course of the season. So you owe it to these guys to try to figure out something. You can't just throw your hands up and say, oh, well, prices are too high. Your job as a front office is to adapt and overcome, to find a way to get your team what it needs. It's not going to be easy, though. There's teams out there that don't want to trade with the Lakers. We hear about a Lakers tax. Yeah, there's teams out there that flat out do not want to help the Lakers. I'm sure there's GMs out there that don't want to trade with Rob Palenka because they dealt with him when he was an agent. There's some bad blood. I'm sure those are things. There's stuff to overcome. There's that stuff. There's the market. There's the fact that there's no sellers out there. The price is being super. There's a lot to overcome. But that doesn't mean you can just throw your hands up and say, oh, well. So by no means am I saying this should remove any pressure from the front office or this should um, allow the front office to remain stagnant. I'm just saying this is something that we have to recognize and understand that it's not as easy as, hey, trade Russ a couple first, go get two quality wings. That's not there. If that was there and the Lakers were still, were, were still him and Han, that's a, that's a totally different story. That's a totally different story, right? Problem is that's not there. And you can go back to media day and say, well, why didn't you do the Buddy Heal, the Miles Turner trade? Fair. Again, I've been, I said at the time they should have done that trade. Fair, right? But right now, that's not there. DJ Miller. Uh, we're acting like Russ plays with greats when Braun is out. No. And again, this is not, I'm seeing some Russ fans in the chat saying we're blaming Russell Westbrook. No, again, you went into the game assuming that the Lakers were probably going to lose this game. You just would hope that with this situation, that Russ would come out and have an extraordinarily good game that he would really blow up. And again, not saying he went in there and, and said, hey, I'm going to have a, a bad shooting night tonight or this is going to be a rough night or anything like that. No, I just didn't feel like he had a particularly good game. I think he's played better in recent games. And sure, it's fair. Look, maybe he's better when better players are around him. That's also reasonable to expect. But for a superstar, you expect that guy to come out and take their game to the next level and try to lead the team on to victory. And that just, that just didn't happen. Again, like I said, it probably wouldn't have happened even with a better game out of Russell Westbrook. You're probably still not winning this game. So I'm not saying this loss is on Russ or anything like that. I'm just saying you went and you got him. And part of the goal for with getting Russ was if LeBron is out, you have another star who can rise to the occasion, who can take over and can kind of keep the team afloat. And we just didn't see that tonight. Again, it was one game. On the season, I've been pretty impressed with what we've seen out of Russell Westbrook. I'm pretty happy out of what we've seen from him. So I'm not trying to take a shot at Russ. I'm just saying in this one game, he had an opportunity to really step up and we just didn't really see that. And it gets a little extra frustrating when we see a little bit of backlash because that was specifically why the Lakers brought him in. That's all. This is not meant to be a blame Russ fest or anything like that. Uh, Gotti boy, are we allowed to sign a second 10 day contract after tonight? So if the Lakers are given a hardship exemption, then yes. If they have an, an extra roster spot freed up, um, but if they, you could waive Sterling Brown and then sign another 10 day. Um, once you hit that 10 day mark, you could also sign, replace that. But as of this moment, no, you don't have a, a roster spot open to, to do that. Got to have an open roster spot and the Lakers do not as of right now. 
Jared Chalker. To be honest, I think it's positive. We didn't lose by 20 plus. I saw the lineups and anticipated a 30 point loss. I'd say this is a better than expected result, even if it's an L. Again, I thought the Lakers competed. Thought they they competed on every possession. I thought I thought they went in there not to just run out the clock. I thought they went out there to compete. They gave it their all, and they were shorthanded, and they they weren't able to win in the end, um, which was to be expected. But I don't think they came, they went out there and just said, well, you know, we don't have the pieces, so uh, let's just start running this clock and and we'll get out of here. No, I thought they went out there with their mindset on trying to to get an upset and trying to win, and they played like it. Unfortunately, the shooting wasn't there. I thought some players had kind of off nights, and once again, if they really were operating off of zero sleep, I can't confirm that as of this moment, but if that was a thing, that makes sense too. Trust me, I, I don't work well off of no sleep, and uh, most people are are that way. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned with with this loss. I'm not looking at this like this is a, a, a terrible loss or anything like that. Uh, this comment says, "Do you think the Wizards would give us Kuzma for Beverly in an unprotected first? Yeah, that's probably the best offer the Lakers would make." And if the Wizards would do it, I'd be interested. I think Kuzma's a really good fit for what the Lakers need. Ironically, I think you maybe have some concerns with, are you going to get uh, Kuzma worried about his role? Is he going to, he's talked a lot about um, not playing behind LeBron and AD uh, with Washington. And so there's that concern because he's a free agent this coming summer. Would he get traded to LA and then say, well, I'm back behind LeBron and AD again. I don't want to do that. So let me go somewhere else in free agency. That would be a disaster. So before you're going to give up a real asset, like an unprotected pick, you have to know, number one, does Kyle Kuzma want to be in LA? And if that answer is yes, then it's what is he expecting on his next contract? In other words, what are we going to have to pay him in order to keep him? And then you go from there. And if both those two things are yes and the Lakers don't mind the contract that he would want. Okay. Then you can move forward and put that, put that together. Right. And then start figuring out, all right, what would Washington want? Can we make a deal work? Is, is this possible? Right. That's where you go from there. If you do have those things, if Kuzma says, yes, I want to come back to LA. Yeah. If you guys promise me to start alongside LeBron and AD, let's go. I'm, I'm in, I'm committed or whatever. I'll do whatever you want. Great. I I do it. Because I think Kuzma fits the skill set that this Lakers team needs. Ironically, um, they just they never replaced him on the wing. They never went out and found that skill set again, and they've missed it. They've missed having that. So if that was on the table, I would seriously consider doing that. But again, you have to have positive answers to those first two questions. Does Kuzma want to be there? And then do you want to pay him what he wants in free agency? As long as both those are yes, then you move forward. If either of those is a no, then there's no trade. There's nothing for you to do there. Because you can't give up an asset like an unprotected first and then have the guy walk away a few months later. That would be devastating. So you can't do that. Let's see what else we've got going on here in the chat. I've got a lot of people that are 
um, referencing Russell Westbrook's fun comments. His comment about, you know, LeBron was saying we have to get greedy about getting wins and all that. And then Russell Westbrook made a comment in the locker room about we got to have fun. I didn't even take that to be that egregious. I know a lot of fans were upset and saying, oh, Russ just has this mindset. We just want to have fun, win, lose, draw, doesn't worry about winning and all that. I took it as more saying, hey, we want to continue to, if we're playing fast, if we're playing aggressive, when we're scoring the basketball, that's when we're having fun on the floor. I took it more to be of that type of mindset. And I would imagine Russ would probably say something to that effect um, if asked about it. That's what I took it. I didn't take it as something where he's saying like, oh, I don't really care if we win or not. I thought it was more talking about, hey, this is the mindset that we need to have where we're going out there. We're being aggressive. We're not down on ourselves. We're not upset. We're going out there and we're playing to win and we're playing for each other. And we're playing because that's what fun basketball really is. That's the way I took it. I understand if other people didn't, but a lot of people are kind of jumping all over Russ's case because of that comment, because LeBron's saying, let's be greedy for wins. Then Russ is saying, well, let, you know, let's just have fun, win, lose, or draw, whatever. I don't think that's exactly how he meant it. I would imagine he meant more fast-breaking, fun, kick up the pace, scoring the ball. That's how the energy level of the team is going to really compound, and you're really going to get something going. And we've seen where this team has had fun playing basketball together. It's yielded good results especially recently, you can tell they've enjoyed playing off of each other. And that's something that matters uh, in terms of the chemistry of the team. And so that's what I took it as. That was me personally. Again, other people may have taken it a different way, but I've seen a lot of people that were really upset with Russ for that comment. I took it as let's continue to be aggressive, be attacking, have that kind of mindset on the floor. That's the way I read it. I am going to get to the master lock of the night in just a moment. This one says Beverly Walker, none a first for Gary Trent Jr. And Thad Young. Yeah. I mean, I can't say if the Raptors would do it or not, but if I'm the Lakers, if, especially if I'm, if you're the Lakers and you're looking at your future situation and you say, you know what? Austin Reeves, Thomas Bryant, we're going to prioritize keeping them over keeping Lonnie Walker. Then moving Lonnie makes some sense. Now I think Lonnie, had a great start to the season. The Lakers changed up his role a little bit, and he hasn't been as good over the last month or so. Just hasn't. He hasn't been scoring the ball the same way. Um, so then you have to decide, okay, what version of Lonnie Walker are we going to get from here on out? What's his role going to be? And if you make the decision that he's not going to be a long-term fit for the team, and I think he could be, especially at his age. What is he, 24, something like that? At his age, he could be a long-term fit for the Lakers. But if you make the decision that, hey, we're going to prioritize other players over him, or we just don't think he's a fit for us, then you have to consider putting him on, on the trade block and, and moving him. You have to consider it. Um, so if you've made the decision that Lonnie Walker is not going to be a long-term fit, I think this is an interesting deal. If Lonnie is a long-term piece, this becomes a little bit more challenging, but I like Gary Trent Jr. I think he would be a great fit on this team. He's been a Laker killer in the past. Yeah, he'd be good. Sky Tier said, I feel like they signed JTA to fill in the Kuz spot, but thumbs down. I mean, JTA is so different, though. Not nearly the level of scorer. He's more of a um, kind of jack-of-all-trades type. He can occasionally knock in a three, but can slash a little bit, too, and just be a bit physical defensively. And He's he's not the same tier of, of player as, as Kuzma. It's certainly not the, 
same quality as a ball handler or a passer or a creator or any of that as, as Kyle Kuzma. And again, he's not like expected to be right because he's on a minimum contract. That's, that's it. All right, let's get into this. You know, I didn't want to do our superstar of the night or, you know, obviously they got beat and even the guys who put up big point totals, I thought their, their shooting efficiency wasn't there. So I don't even have like a, um, star in your role, but let's do the master lock of the night. Let's do that. Master lock of the night. All right. So the master lock of the night, we take the one thing from the most, the one, the most annoying thing from the game. And we put it in our buddy, Chris, the masterpiece masters finishing hold from the game. And there's a lot of things that we could put in the master lock. I've got a lot of people still upset with Russ's comments saying master lock fun, saying people say master lock delusional fans. I'm going to, Oh, people saying master lock me. All right. Maybe that's fair, but what I'm going to go with, and this is something that I noticed and was really frustrating as I was watching this game from a player safety standpoint, the floor, the court in Denver, I don't know if it contributed to Patrick Beverly's injury, but how many players did we see slip in tonight's game? A lot. It felt like it was every other play we were seeing guys slip all over the court. And Look, injuries would be an easy one, but I've master locked that before. In this case, that floor, something was going on because it was incredibly slick. There was a play where Russ even drove and went to do a jump stop and his, and his feet just slipped out from under him. Um, something was going on there. And it looked like it was a playing surface that was not safe. I, I was concerned about what was going to happen and was there going to be some type of serious injury from that. So the floor in Denver gets the master lock for this one. It brings me back to years ago, back when I think it was Larry Nance was a rookie and the Lakers were playing in San Diego for a preseason game. And they had to call the game because of the ice underneath the floor was creating a, a, a slick playing surface. It reminded me of that. It looked very uncomfortable for the, the guys to play out there on that court. So I'm master locking the floor in Denver because guys were sliding all over the place and I was holding my breath. I was worried that we were going to get some kind of an injury on that court. Did not look good. Did not look good at all. So that one, that gets, look, plenty of things you can master lock from the game, but personally, that, that's getting mine. Roan Thrash said, let's not overreact like Trev is saying. Russ had a bad game. It's okay. He's been good. Stay 500, get AD, and try to get Thomas Bryant, AD, and Braun together on the floor. Make a trade, and let's go. Yeah, I don't think – look, the Lakers have played good basketball. They've had guys step up. I'm feeling more optimistic now than anything else. I'm not taking this – This, I guess this is the bottom line. For me, this loss doesn't erase the previous five games. I don't sink back and go, oh, my gosh, this team is terrible again. And that, you know, I – I can't just ignore the five games where they played great basketball when they lose a game, when they don't have most of their players. Um, I, I'm just not going to react that way. Now, if you go on, you go on a five, six, seven game losing streak, something like that, you know, LeBron comes back and you're still not getting wins and AD has a setback. Okay. Look, yeah, we're going to, obviously that's going to result in some negative reactions and you're going to feel bad about that. That's understandable, but Personally, I just don't see this game as a reason to go back to the sky is falling um, when we just recently saw this team play so, so well. And again, I thought they competed 
in this one. Shots didn't fall. And frankly, they were kind of due for a regression game. I mean, look, Dennis Schroeder wasn't going to shoot 800% from three every single game. Thomas Bryant wasn't going to shoot 80% from the field every single game. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. They were due for some regression in their numbers. It happened in this one. No LeBron probably is a factor in that too. But again, I'm not, I'm not super upset over this one. Uh, 25, seven and seven off 50%, but seven turnovers. So not bad, but not great. He's talking about Russell Westbrook. Great is what we needed, but the whole team was tired noticeably. It's okay. It happens. They're not robots. LOL. Exactly. Exactly. Again, I'm not, especially if, if that story is true about the team basically getting zero sleep, I get it. Um, it's tough enough going up to Denver and playing at, at altitude. That's difficult. Um, I thought overall the, the team put in, the effort was just fine. I, I think, so think back to last year's team. There were a lot of games where I walked away or mid-game would have the impression of these guys don't look like they want to be on the floor. These guys, these guys look like they want to be somewhere else. Like they do not want to be playing basketball right now. That was the impression I got from last year's team often. Even tonight, I didn't feel that way. I didn't come away from this game thinking, man, that this team just didn't compete. This team didn't want to be out there. I thought they competed. Even looking, tired. I mean, Thomas Bryant is bent over at the waist every time out, and he looks exhausted, and he's still going 100 miles an hour. Remember, this is the third game in four nights for this Lakers team, and um, and they were still giving it their all. And, and again, no moral victories, but I give them credit for for that. And they did look tired out there. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Fahad said, hi, Trevor. Lakers Nation all the way from Dubai. UAE. Hey, welcome in from Dubai. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, what do you think about bringing back Avery Bradley? Avery Bradley looked pretty done to me last time we, we saw him. I think you've got some better options that are already on the team. If you're going to look to somebody for a guard, you know, I think that Avery Bradley had the trust of Frank Vogel last season, and that's why we saw him brought in. But the same's not going to hold true with, with Darvin Hammond. I don't think Avery Bradley was a terrible player. He was great for the Lakers in 2020. Didn't play in the bubble, but was great during the regular season. Was one of the better defensive guards in the league, I thought. I liked seeing the way he combined with Danny Green and Alex Caruso and KCP made the Lakers uh, backcourt tremendous defensively, but I just don't think he's that guy anymore. So he wouldn't be 
he's probably not on my list of guys that I would look at bringing in, particularly since this Lakers team, you really don't need another guard. You need wings very badly. And then after wings, you can argue maybe you need another big. I think the last thing you need is another guard. So Avery Bradley, I like him, uh, but he just he's not on my list of guys that I'd be looking at if I was the Lakers. Mom mentality. Max and Cole, got to applaud them for stepping up in more minutes. Yeah, I think that's that's a good thing to, to discuss too. Thought Max Christie in you know, a step up in terms of minutes and role starting. Um, I thought he played well. I thought that he is looking more and more like an NBA player, looking more and more like a guy and not expecting him to be this three and D savant at 19 years old, but he's looking better and better. And you could see where, Hey, two, three years down the road, this guy could wind up being a legit three and D player in the NBA his shooting stroke is fantastic. I like his defensive instincts. He's got good length. Uh, he has to still learn the NBA game, but you can see there's something there. And Cole Swider, I wish you would have been actually a little bit more aggressive pulling the trigger on a shot, but it's like, it doesn't phase him. Right. We we've even seen moments where Max Christie, when he first gets out there, I think we saw it a little bit in summer league. You could tell he's a little bit nervous. Cole Swider just gets out there and shoots. It doesn't seem to matter if it's, a regular season NBA game, a summer league game, a pickup. It just doesn't seem, nothing seems to phase him. If he's open, he shoots it. And more often than not, he knocks it down. I thought that he looked good too. Now, defensively, we still have concerns there with him. He still has some growing to do on that end, but the dude can shoot the ball. And that's a skill set that the Lakers certainly need. And that is useful in the NBA. If he can get his defense just to be passable, where he can stay in front of people and not get picked on defensively, Maybe you have something there, too, on a two-way contract in Cole Swider. So, agreed. I thought both of them looked good. I thought both of them looked good today. So, the, this comment says, uh, Swider has poor basketball IQ. I don't know. So, there's moments where defensively you could see him get a little bit lost. But how much of that is, you know, the system he ran in college was very different than NBA defenses. I think there's a learning curve there. And I don't want to say he has a poor basketball IQ. I thought in particular, there was a play tonight where he executed the two-man game with, I believe it was Wendy and Gabriel, I mean, to perfection. Running the, the pick and roll, multiple screens, and then finding Wenyin on a, on a cut. It was great. I mean, it just said he, on the offensive end, he knew exactly what to do. And that was fantastic to see. So I don't want to just lump that on him and say, oh, he has a poor basketball IQ. I think some of that might be the defensive schemes he ran in college and there might just be a little bit of a learning curve in, in the NBA. So I'm, I think we just need to be patient with him on the defensive end of the floor and not write him off for that. I think that may take time to develop, but the shooting is already there. The shooting is there. You've got potentially a very good to maybe elite level shooter. Now you just have to build some stuff off of that. That's what you got to do. And, and again, I, I don't think that – I don't look at the defense and say it's a basketball IQ thing. I'm hoping that will come around, the, the defensive side of the ball. All right, everybody. I do appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Obviously not the continued win streak that we were hoping for. It would have been quite an upset had the Lakers gotten a win against the Denver Nuggets. But again, this was to be expected. But appreciate everybody for coming in here and, and, and joining me. Lakers get a couple of days now. Anthony Davis gets to start ramping up his workouts. 
And then the Lakers will take on the Dallas Mavericks Thursday evening. Hopefully LeBron gets some rest here. That may have been a factor in LeBron getting this game off, played two games back-to-back. Now he gets an extended stretch of rest because now they have two days in a row off before they take on the Mavs. Luka and the Mavs in prime time on TNT. That's going to be a fun game. Come join us over on Playback for it. You can watch the game directly with us. We talk to everybody during the game. It's a lot of fun. So come join us there. And thank you guys for joining me tonight on the Lakers Nation podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel. And don't forget to check us out over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.